Okay. Would you pray with me? <laughs> Loving God, help us to be present to your spirit this morning, present to our own hearts, present in this new year ahead that we might draw closer to you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So when I was born, my parents decided to name me Ian Gregory Cummins. But in Alabama, there weren't very many Ians running around in 1969, so they decided that they would uh, call me by my middle name, Greg, a name that I happily went by for the first 41 years of my life. And then 11 years ago, some of you long-timers, not old-timers, long-timers will remember that I returned from a sabbatical and explained that while I was away, I had felt a clear, insistent nudge to begin using my first name. And it was as big a surprise to me as, as anyone, and I... I actually felt a little embarrassed about the whole idea of it, but part of what helped to convince me to do it was that I had learned that the name Greg means watchful or vigilant, and Ian, uh, the Gaelic form of John, means God is gracious. And I came to see this as an invitation not just to change my name, but to try to make a, a deeper change in my life, to, to move from being overly watchful and vigilant, um, something I've always been, a little too responsible, too on guard, too careful, and instead try to live uh, in a more trusting way, to try to live as if it might actually be true that there is a God, and that that God might be gracious. So since then, that word gracious or grace has been uh, an important one for me. And when I read today's scripture lesson, I noticed, as perhaps you did, how often the author of John's gospel uses that word grace. Let me read just a little bit of it again for you. And the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory as of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. And from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses, but grace and truth were given through Jesus Christ. Four times. In those few verses, John employs the word grace and then doesn't use that word again the rest of the gospel. In the Greek, that word is charis. It's the same root that we get charisma from. And John says that charis is what Jesus is full of and that charis is what we are given by Christ. In fact, not just charis, but charis upon charis grace upon grace. 
Now, that word grace can mean a lot of different things, right? We, we say that a, a, a good dancer is graceful. We say a good host is gracious. Grace is some, sometimes giving someone a little forgiveness or a small kindness. Grace is something we say before dinner. And when we're talking about God's grace, we usually mean a divine uh, gift or favor or blessing. So when John says Jesus is full of grace and from that fullness we receive grace, what kind of divine gift are we talking about? What kind of favor can we expect from God? Are those favors of a material sort, for example? Are they a sweater or a watch under the tree? Now we smile, but the prosperity gospel, the idea that God rewards those who are faithful with material well-being, it is alive and well and harder, I think, than we imagine not to fall prey to. As good-thinking Presbyterians, we know that to suggest that God rewards our faith with material blessings is, well, it's to implicitly suggest that those who are not materially successful, well, then they must not have enough faith. It also implies that if God wanted to alleviate material suffering, God could, but chooses not to. And it seems to me that such a theology adds insult to injury to the millions of people in our world who are hungry and poor. It also doesn't say much about the character of God. But things get confusing for us when, for example, we say something like, there but by the grace of God go I. As someone innocently said to me just the other day as we were talking about the fires up in Boulder County. Knowing that tragedy can befall any of us, this person was simply expressing their gratitude that they had been spared. But when we give God the credit for that kind of grace, we end up down the same prosperity gospel rabbit hole just from the other side. Why them and not us? Did they do something wrong? If not, then why would a loving God allow something like that to happen? This is an age-old problem, and I don't have all the answers, but I want to say that for me, what I've had to do is let go of the idea that God operates directly into the material, physical world. I don't believe God moves the chess pieces around, so to speak. I do believe that God impacts and influences this physical, material world, but that God does so with a, with a different kind of currency. I believe God's grace comes to us through our hearts and our minds, and by changing them, we change the world. So let me... Let me give you an example. There's a woman in our, actually in our congregation that years ago told me about waking one morning in the weeks following her divorce 
and things had not ended well with her husband and she was full of anger and resentment and rightfully so. But that morning, lying in bed, she said it was as if the Holy Spirit were right there at the foot of her bed. And she felt that anger and that bitterness melt away. And she knew in that moment that inexplicably she could forgive her ex-husband. And this, of course, changed everything going forward. It changed her relationship with her ex-husband. It changed her relationship with her children. Right? It changed her life. And that, to me, is an example of God's grace working in the world. Grace is this gift that changes our hearts. And then we, with changed hearts, change the world. So when we think of the terrible fires in Boulder County this week, we fairly wonder why God would not do something. Why not just send that snowstorm a day early, 24 hours early? What that would have done. It seems like something that any one of us would have the compassion to do. And since I believe God is at least as compassionate as I am, and we should all hope that that is the case, then I have to conclude that if God could, God would. And so it must be that grace simply doesn't work this way. Instead, what I have found again and again in my life is that grace does work in the way that it did with that woman that morning. That grace comes as an inexplicable gift of of peace in a time of worry or some joy that wells up within us where there should be just sadness. Grace is, is strength when there should be just exhaustion. It's, it's hope when there should be despair. And we may wish that God would swoop in and prevent our suffering. But I think we have to accept that it just doesn't work that way and instead open ourselves to the way that the world does work. Because the way the world does work is amazing. In the midst of some terrible thing like those fires, I believe God is is radiating love and strength and resilience and hope into the hearts of those those in that valley. I believe God is constantly trying to give us the gifts that we need to face what we have to face in this world. And for all kinds of reasons, it's, it's hard to experience that grace. Either we're, we're too distracted or, or we're overwhelmed by things, sometimes just too stubborn. So we tend to only experience them in in rare moments, maybe when things have gotten so 
desperate that it breaks through. But if we could see the world as it really is, we would see that we are all being sustained moment by grace-filled moment. And that grace isn't some rare gift left under the tree. It is the love of God poured out as abundant as the air we breathe. That experience 11 years ago when I felt that insistent nudge to begin using my first name was for me a moment of grace. I believe God was inexplicably inviting me to a journey away from thinking that I needed to constantly be on guard and toward believing that when the time comes, God will give me everything that I need. Toward living more and more in a state of grace. Trusting God in every moment. And I want to make that same invitation to you. Not to change your name to Ian, although it would be super cool if some of you did. But to join me in learning together what real faith in God looks like. Not faith that God will spare us from challenge and tragedy, but faith that whatever comes, God will give us what we need. May this next year be a time when, for each of us, we're able to trust more and more God's beauty around us and God's love within us. May we grow in freedom and ease and trust because we know deep in our hearts that we are being sustained each moment by grace upon grace upon grace upon grace.